For those who don't know, the infantry is the main fighting force of the United States. It is the front lines of the fight. So it holds a long bloodline of dedicated American heroes who have sacrificed everything they have, including their lives, on the line of battle. On August 27th, 2019, I began my journey. I got onto a plane to Fort Benning, Georgia. I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing, what I was getting myself into. And I was quickly greeted by screaming, yelling, squaring, words and names that I've literally never heard in my life. I was alone. I was scared. I was bald because they shaved my head and took every inch of humanism away from me. And I was in a brand new place. It was truly terrifying. I went through all the medical screenings, all the blood tests, everything, all the improcing, and I finally was able to go to my training unit. And there I was greeted by the real drill sergeants. So where I was before, there were just these guys who, yeah, they were in the military, but they were not the official drill sergeants that were going to take me through training for the next four, 14 weeks. These guys were the real deal. They were crazy. Like, when I say crazy, like, they were, like, psycho in the head. They've served on multiple different combat operations, multiple different countries, doing some wild stuff that some of you guys would never imagine. And they decided to become drill sergeants to train people like myself and these other men to become a soldier, to make the transition from a civilian to a soldier. So don't get me wrong. Basic training was hard. It was horrible. But there's one goal in mind. And the goal of that is to make the full transformation from, at the time I was 18, or however old anybody is that joins the military, to make the transition from a civilian to a fully trained fighter and soldier. And it was a long, grueling process, but it had one of the most rewarding feelings I've ever felt. After 14 long weeks of getting physically and mentally and spiritually destroyed, I finally made it. I finally earned the sacred infantry blue cord, which I brought here today. Is something that infantrymen specifically get for making it through. And I can vividly remember standing in the fields. It's called Inaway Field. It's ironic because I have a close family friends whose last name are the Inaways. And this field is called Inaway Field. It's in the backyard of the Infantry Museum at Fort Benning, Georgia, and I can remember tears rolling down my cheek as I'm yelling the infantry creed at the top of my lungs, and I look out and I see my parents and other parents just like them cheering on their boys as they just became a part of an American brotherhood. It was truly an experience that has forever shaped me and I'll never forget. So today I'm gonna to be talking to you guys about a different story. It's a biblical story. It's the creation story all the way to the fall of man. Now, this story is just a little bit important. It's almost so important that it, for most of you, is actually for all of you, if you have a Bible, it's the opening pages of your Bible. And you and I would not be here had it never happened. So let's start from the beginning. If you have a Bible, turn to me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. And it reads this. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness and called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and the morning came, marking the first day. So the rest of chapter 1 in Genesis 
explains the first full week of existence. So the first six days where God fully created everything in the world, and then afterwards, he rested. So this brings me to my first point. If you're a note taker, take out your notes, get your pen out, write it down, whatever. My first point is this. God created us and everything in this world. Again, God created us, you and me, and everything in this world. So I'm going to briefly walk you through each day of creation and just kind of explain what took place on days one through six. So on day one, God created the light. So there was light and darkness, right? We just talked about that in Genesis 1. On day two, he created the sky and the water. And on day three, it was the land and the seas. Day four was the sun, moon, and stars. Day five were creatures and birds in the sky. Day six were animals to fill the earth as well as man and woman. And finally, on the seventh day, after he finished, he rested. So I, I picture God just like kicking his head up, kicking his feet up, and just chilling after literally creating everything. And not only did he rest, he looked upon everything he made and called it good. So to put it in perspective, when it says he looked upon everything he made, that's literally what they mean. So you and I as humans, the naked eye can only see probably about on a really good day, like 10 to 20 miles. And that's that's it. And God looked at everything. It's like he could have stood here in Minnesota and was like, I wonder what Germany is looking like, looking like right now. And he saw everything all the way over there. That's just put it in perspective of how great he is and how much he did for you guys. So picture this. Go ahead and close your eyes real quick. Keep them closed until I'm done. In verses 2 to 3, the author Moses tells us that the earth was formless and empty And the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So sit there and try to picture that. Just this formless, empty void, and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say, and God said, let there be light, and boom, open up your eyes. That's what it's like. You're sitting there, there's nothing there besides darkness, and then all of a sudden, tree, clouds, the sky a bird, a donkey, whatever, just appears out of nowhere. And you guys, this brings me to this. You were not placed on this earth by accident. He specifically had a day designated to man and woman. Psalm 136, verses 13 to 16 says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid before a single day passed. Friends, he saw you. He knew who you were going to be while he was in the garden, while he was creating everything. He specifically saw each and every one of your guys' faces. You are on his mind, so why is this important? Why is it such a big deal that he created us? Because when he, when he created us, it was different than when he created everything else. It wasn't like the same as when he created like dogs and cats and other animals or like monkeys, how some people think we come from monkeys. No, he created us, man and woman, in his direct image. God, before man was even created, knew what they, what they were going to look like. And he said, I want my children to look like this. And he directly made us from that. Genesis 1 verse 27 says this, 
So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He literally formed man. It says this in, in the scriptures. He formed man out of the dust on the ground, literally out of nothing. And then not only that, he took the rib out of the man and created female. There is nothing fancy or scientific about us being created. There was no reaction that sparked and we weren't just appeared. No, God took nothing and turned it into something beautiful. Just as I transferred from an ordinary high school graduate to a fully trained, fully equipped American soldier. And the huge deal that I have yet to say is in verse 7, it says that God breathed his breath of life into the man. He physically breathed into the nostrils of the man. This means that us as humans have the breath of God in us. We have spiritual, living, breathing souls breathed into by God, our creator. And then fast forward on to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, God gave Adam, the man, a mission. Now, it doesn't say that directly. I'm just paraphrasing what it said. He placed him in the garden to watch over it. And then later on in verse 19, he commanded him to name all the animals that were created. Exactly. He named the lion. All right. So this brings you to my second point. God gives us direction and a path to follow. So I'm going to get what happens here next. But I want to share something first and ask you guys something. Have you ever been given a clear task or like a mission or just given something to do by either your parents? Actually, I'm sure all of you guys, by your parents or somebody in charge of you. Like maybe it was to clean your room, pick up the garbage, or for me all the time it was to mow my grass. Uh, my dad's pretty familiar with that. I would literally come home from, I don't know, doing what, going to school, just being super tired and lazy, feeling sorry for myself. And I get a text from him saying, hey, man, could you cut the grass? And I thought this was the biggest deal in the world. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to cut the grass. And, of course, me being like the lazy, rebellious teenager I was, I hated it. But I always did it because I knew that there would be a consequence if I didn't. Now, I'm not saying roll your eyes or do anything when your parents ask you to do something. No, do it the first time. You'll learn that as you guys get older or else it'll not be fun for you. But seriously, I'm sure... All of us have been given a task that has an expectation to be completed at some level. For me in the Army, we get all these tasks all the time, whether it's cleaning our barracks, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning our weapons, or when I was overseas, the guys that I was, that I was with, their mission was to rescue the stranded Americans in Afghanistan. When I was in Syria, our mission was to protect a, an, an ISIS prison with 6,000 inmates from a potential breakout. There was a clear direction given and a high expectation for us to execute the mission. Just as God put Adam in the center of the garden, that was his clear executed mission. Go in the middle of the garden, watch over it, protect it, name all of these animals. See, he gave that direction. Shortly after that, after he placed, God, after he placed Adam in the middle, he created the woman, the helper, to be there with the man. Now, there's one command that I haven't said yet, that God specifically gave both of them. So he already gave Adam one command, and that was to watch over the garden and name the animals. Now Eve, the woman, is here, and he has a command for both of them. There is nothing complex about this command. Matter of fact, it was one of the most straightforward commands I think I've ever heard. I kind of wish that, I, that people told me to do stuff more like this because it would be so much easier to comprehend. And it was this. Do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2, verse 16, it says this. God is speaking to the man and woman. 
you may freely eat of the fruit of the tree of any every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He goes on to say, if you eat of its fruit, you are sure to die. Like there's literally nothing, there's nothing complex about that. It's so straightforward. Do you eat this fruit? Do not eat this one. If you do, you're going to die. They didn't need to know what kind of death they were going to have. They were just like, oh, no. Like this, this is legit. So you might be sitting here wondering, like what path, what path does God have for me? What direction does he have for me to follow in my life? And if you don't know that right now, I encourage you to pray about it. And if you've never prayed about it, there's nothing too complex about it. You sit down, you say, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in my life? And I can't guarantee you're going to get an answer right away, but you might just appear in it. You're not, you're not always going to hear it from somebody. You might just be in it. And this could be exactly what God wants from you. So sometimes when we're told something to do, we disobey it. There's consequences. Now, I remember when I was at basic training, I got everyone in trouble. And I mean everyone. There's this thing in the military. My buddy Nathan, who's back there in the Marines, he knows this saying. It's called getting smoked. And basically what getting smoked is, is you get physically punished. Not like beat up, but like you got to do exercises and do some other stuff that just isn't fun. So that's what, that's what getting smoked is. And one day, all of us trainees were in this place called the CTA. It's the Central Training Area. It's where all of our barracks led to this main outdoor area where we'd go before we went to lunch, before we went to a range, before we did whatever. And they told us to stand at the position of attention until further notice. That was our direction. And for those who don't know, the position of attention, you stand there with your feet together like this and your arms down at your side, and you look straight forward, and you don't move any part of your body unless you're told to do so. So they told us to wait, and, and hours went by, and I mean hours. It was like four to six hours of just standing there staring at a wall. It was horrible. So what did young Private Vaughn think he could do? I had an itch on my head that I was dying to scratch for the longest time, and I thought the coast was clear. So I'm looking there, I'm staring around, and I go like this, and then boom, the doors open. I see the brown hat that the drill sergeant's wearing. He's like, what are you doing, Private I told you specifically to not move. Now everyone's going to pay because of the stupid mistake that you made. So you might be thinking, okay, why is this a big deal? So it leads me to my third and final point. That when God put Adam in the garden, he gave him and Eve a specific task. And my third point is this. We chose sin, and there are consequences for sinful behavior. But there's hope. In Genesis 3.1, Satan appeared to the man and the woman in the form of, Scripture says serpent, but I'm going to say in, in the form of a snake because it's the same thing. And he immediately started twisting God's words and tempting them both. He came up and was like, did God really say you can't do that? And if, you, if you've been to the services on Sunday, you might have heard Pastor Troy's last sermon series called, Did God Really Say? And it's literally about our world today and Satan twisting the words of truth. And the woman replied to Satan and told him what God blatantly said about eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan replied with this in chapter 3, verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So to be in the position of Adam and Eve, you might think, wow, it's probably pretty easy just to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. But no, they were, that, that was the first temptation that had ever affected humans. He convinced the woman. 
She saw the tempting beauty of the fruit hanging in front of her. She bought into the glorious lie that was sugar-coated, that looked really tempting and really tasteful, that Satan had presented to her. And she grabbed the fruit, took a bite, gave it to her husband, and said, eat it too. It's good. And it was at that exact moment, they both realized what they had done. They were like, oh, like, we messed, we blatantly sinned. They felt shame for what they did. They felt guilty. And then they both realized they were naked, and so they sewed fig trees together and made clothing. And then they heard God coming towards them in the woods, and they hid. Because what else do you do when you know that you blatantly disobeyed someone's order? You hide. You try to run. You're like, oh, no, I sinned. I don't want to face my sin. I'm just going to push it down as deep as it can go so that no one can know that I'm struggling with, with this, so that no one can know that this happened because I don't want to affect how I look. But God knows what happened. And in verse 9 to 13 of Genesis 3, it says this, the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And as I said earlier, how great God is, God fully knew where they were. God fully knew that they were hiding from them. But he just wanted them to come out and tell him straight to his face. And so the man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord asked. Have you eaten the tree fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. The woman you gave me gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And I picture, I'm just going to use my dad as an example, looking down at your son who had just just dropped the ball, and you're just like, man, like you're better than this. What have you done, man? Because that's God. He's our father looking down on us after he gives us a clear command, and we disobey it. It's called sin. Sin is blatantly disobeying God's command in our lives. And the woman replies with, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. So God continues to say in verse 14, and this is, this is, this is where he starts to curse Satan and mankind. You know, sin has officially entered the world, and God's like, okay, if you guys want to do that, I'm going to do this. Like, it's my turn now. You're going to play by my rules. I thought you guys could live, but no, it's up to me. He cursed Satan, forcing the serpent, the snake, to crawl on its belly for the rest of its life. And then he turns to the woman and says, because of this, you're going to experience pain in childbirth. You're going to try to rule over your husband, but you'll never be able to. He's always going to rule over you. And then he turns to the man. And I picture him saying this kind of stern, not like yelling at him, but like, what, like you need to know what you've done. He looks at the man and said, the ground, is, the ground below you is cursed because of what you've done. You're going to work so hard day in and day out to make a living, but you're not going to be able to scratch hardly anything from it. And he ends with something that's really, really heavy that I feel like is often overlooked. He said, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Now, I don't know if you guys know what that means, but earlier on when I said that he created man, he literally formed him out of the dust. He formed nothing into this beautiful creation that he was like, this is going to be a representation of me. This is what I want my physical form to look like, and then he just blew it. So you know what's going to happen? No, you're going to return to the dust that you just came from. So sin had officially entered the world. Mankind is lost. It's deceived. Beauty and perfection have been forever ruined. But there's hope. From the beginning of time, God knew there was going to be hope. He predicted this even before he created the man and woman. And the hope is this. This is the biggest thing I want you guys to hear. For the new student who just came in here, listen up, because this is what I want you to hear. 
The hope is this. God, our Father, desperately does not want the souls that he breathed his heavenly breath into to be eternally separated with him in hell. Through his act of grace, by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and for yours, for everybody in this room, for everybody in the world, he sent his only son to die. And because of that, we have hope. We can know that if we mess up, he's graciously there to pick us up. There's no sin that is ever too far from God. There's not that one thing that, is, that he's like, no, I'm not going to take you for that. No, he's taking you regardless. I was addicted to so much stuff. I did some nasty stuff, some gross stuff, and I believed the lie that I was too far from God. That he graciously got down on my level and said, Jake, pick your head up. I'm here with you. That is what he wants from you. And when he sent his son Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to be on earth with us in the form of a man, in the humanly form of his heavenly spirit. He sent his son to embed himself into everyday life to endure the temptation, to endure the sin that you and I battle with every single day. Yet he never sinned. And he loves you so much that he said, you know what? That first sin that Adam and Eve committed in the garden, I'm going to take that. You know that sin that you committed last night when you were alone? I'm going to take that. The sin that's going to be committed in however long until I return, I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it on my shoulders, and I'm going to bear that burden. And he did that, and he was killed for you for that. When's the last time someone's taken the things that you struggled with and said, I'm going to go die for you real quick? Never. Who in the right mind does that? Only the God of the universe would do that for you. Not only did he die for you, he died a brutal death. Possibly one of the most humiliating deaths of all time. He was naked. He was beaten. It was gory. It was gruesome. He was stripped of everything. All of his humility gone. Spat on, whipped. Nails driven through his hand, through his feet. Crown of thorns dug into his head. For you. And it doesn't end there. He got off that cross and was put into a tomb. And it doesn't even end there. Because three days later, he conquered it. He said, death, hell, sin, away with you. I'm, I'm the victorious one. I'm rising again. And he was there in physical form. He beat death, beat the grave, and people saw him with their own eyes and was like, like this dude just died, and he's here standing in front of me. And now we have the opportunity to stand side by side with him in a relationship. You guys, this is the greatest love story that has ever been told. No one has ever died for any of us like that, we have the opportunity to go from sinner to saint, from blood-stained red to brand-new, whitewashed, just beautiful creations. And by doing that, we have the hope of eternity with Jesus. Just as I earned the blue cord for becoming an infantryman, God promises a crown of life in the book of James verse. Chapter 1, verse 12, he promises a crown of life when we get to heaven, if when we endure the trials and temptations of this earth. He says, if you endure, I'm going to greet you. I'm going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to place this crown on your head and say, welcome home. You guys, you can do it. God transformed my life. He put his hand down. He said, Jake, take my hand. Don't look back. That's what repentance is. Some of you guys might know what repentance is, but you don't. You miss the point. You, you might think it's just, oh, I... This, this is what I did. I confess it. But no, it's, this is what I did. I'm going to turn and walk away and go the other direction. That's what repenting is. And God wants you to do that. He just wants you to take his hand. And so to wrap up, I want you guys to remember a few things. 
you were created with a purpose. Whether or not you choose to live that purpose to glorify him or not, it'll lead you to, it'll lead you to destruction if you don't. And that's just the truth. So you guys, you were put here for a reason. There's hope for your guys' life, and the hope is Jesus, and he loves you, and he created you with for a reason. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get this night continuing, and then we'll get you guys out of here. So Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for creating us in your image, Jesus. Thank you that you breathe your breath, life, into our lungs, God. We wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be here if your son didn't sacrifice himself for us. So Jesus, I thank you for each and every student here tonight, God. Bless them as they go about their school week, Jesus, and just walk with them. So Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen.